0: What is going on? It is the Sports Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you for the first time in over two months. Yes, we need a break. I just realized that I never recorded a podcast after the Clippers lost to Minnesota and that winter go home. And so uh, it was obviously very depressing. It was in Minnesota's New Orleans, wasn't it, Shane? It was, uh, yeah, Yeah, New Orleans, Orleans. yeah. Shane Young, by the way, is uh, is our guest today. (laughs) Courtesy comes from us from Forbes as he uh, joins us today to talk Clippers basketball. So yeah, it's been a while. That's how long it's been. I forgot the Clippers lost to both Minnesota and New Orleans and forgot the order it happened, but it was Minnesota first and then New Orleans in a game the Clippers were supposed to win and then Paul George got COVID, Um, so that was just not great. But that's the last time we talked to you. So it has certainly been a long time, and there's some stuff to chat about. Um, obviously, Robert Covington is back with the Clippers. Um, today, Nicholas Batum opted out of his $3.3 $3. $3 million contract the final year. Um, there's now news about Kyrie Irving, which, frankly, I think is more just stuff for the media to talk about than actual news. John Wall possibly may be bought out. So uh, And then we, of course, have the NBA draft, which Shay and I honestly know very little about. And so we're, we're not going to touch on that very much. But we are going to talk about what positions the Clippers might target since, let's be real, you're the people that are listening right now, you, you people, you have no idea who the players are. For the most part, they're going to go 35 to 55. I mean, you may think you may know who the Clippers are going to get, but to get it correct is very difficult. And so you may actually know who the players are, but... To know who the Clippers are going to select is a whole different monster. So we'll talk about that um, a little bit later on. But before we get to any of this, folks, there's no such thing as a fantasy offseason. Only the pre-draft season. And here at Sports Ethos, the pre-draft season has already begun. Our expert analysts are churning out important lessons learned and draft analysis on incoming rookies. So you can get a jump on your prep and we'll have an incredible free agency and summer league coverage as well. But only if you're part of a premium member team. Head to sportsethos.com now and click on the premium tab to grab a fancy pass today. Seriously, cook yourself one extra lunch per month because it's only $5.99. You heard me, $5.99. See you there. All right, Shane, let's jump into some hoops, man. First of all, you are coming off. A fantastic off or a fantastic okay. postseason where you got a chance to cover the NBA Finals. You went to both arenas in Boston and in the Bay Area. I want to hear about that experience, man. What what was that like? Getting a chance to watch the Warriors and if you follow Shane on Twitter, by the way, and it, it's quite the uh, it was quite the journey during the postseason because it, <laughs> it's one of my favorite things is that Shane was the biggest. You could call him Suns fan, but he's not obviously a Suns fan. He's a writer. He is. He just likes watching good basketball, and so he obviously was telling everybody and everybody that would listen, "The Suns are going to win. The Suns are going to win." Yeah. Chris Paul, best player, I means best point guard. But let's be real. Shane also had no idea that there was something going on behind the scenes with COVID, and that there's random things happening that we will never find out with that squad. So he wouldn't have known, and then. Of course, he was telling us that Steph Curry is one of the top 10 players ever, and Shane's correct. I mean, th- that solidified with that win. So tell me about that experience, Shane. What was that like?
1: Man, the only word that comes to mind is surreal because last year was my first time really covering the finals. Um, you know, I guess you could say up close, but I was only in Milwaukee, and it was. You know, with COVID being still in full force and full swing, you know, we, we weren't really allowed in the postgame presser. So you had to do it through, through the whole Zoom experience. And and that was just weird being the first finals that, that was all virtual. So you would be in the arena, you would see the the Bucks fans go just absolutely crazy. But then you wouldn't be able to get the raw emotions from Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday and all those guys. This year, they opened it up. And they, you know, we, we had the top tier access. We were able to go anywhere we wanted. It it was just, it, it felt like home, despite me never being on that stage before. And Brandon, I'll always think back to my, I guess my childhood. I was 15 years old, 14, 15 years old, I, I believe, whenever Kobe won his fifth championship. And watching that entire series, like from, from games one through seven, uh, Lakers-Celtics, That was the moment I said, like, that that's going to be me. I'm going to be a reporter in those press conferences. I'm going to ask the questions, you know, at at the end of a a pivotal game seven like that. So for it to happen, you know, 12 years later, finally come to fruition. uh, And it's and it's another dynastic team like these Warriors. It was awesome. And I think, you know, not not to I guess not to overflatter the Warriors or, or their fan fan base or whatever, but like it it's awesome being around them from a media perspective, because you're never going to be short with coverage. You're never going to have a, it's always going to be a surplus of things to write about or things to talk about, things to ask about. Um, there was always someone to talk to, whether it was at practice or after the game, uh, it seems like the players are always open. They're the, the nicest group of players that, that I've really encountered to be honest with you. Um, and, and, you know, you see what the experience is like of a team that's been through six of these beasts, you know, sixth NBA finals for the Celtics. It was just their first with this core. So no doubt in my mind, Boston will be back, but you're just individually uh, from my perspective, covering the finals being around all these media figures that you, you watch on TV, you know, you talk to Zach Lowe on the sidelines at practice. It just, it just feels like, it's, it's a lot to soak in in the moment, but ever since I got home, you know, what last Friday, I've been able to kind of reflect on, on the journey. and I still have a, another piece coming out on Steph tomorrow. So I'm excited. Who's the coolest person you talked to? Was it Zach Lowe? It pro it's probably Zach Lowe, but also to, I mean, you know, he, he's the most famous by far, I would say, but I, I really enjoyed talking to Tim Bontemps, you know, in, in the cafe before the, before game six, <laughs> I asked Tim, I was like, are we going back to the Bay? He's like, yeah, I think we are, and we kind of agreed that it was going to go to Game 7. I scheduled my flight for Game 7 right then and there, uh, and I, I I tell you what, Brandon, it, it felt good to be able to cancel that sucker. <laughs> it felt good to be able to cancel that sucker after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was quite the performance, and for you to be there and to watch Steph do his thing, and it's funny, Shane, because as a Clippers fan, I'm used to the Warriors just destroying the Clippers year after year when they had KD. It was just... Embarrassing. I mean, J.J. Redick has talked about it on his podcast at length about how there was just a certain thing that whenever the Warriors came to town, they just had the Clippers number. And Mm -hmm. and Draymond talked about it, how they felt the same way, that they really owned the Clippers whenever they faced them. And I root against the the Warriors all the time. But this team just feels different. It feels different because KD's gone. It feels different because of what Clay has gone through and mm-hmm. rooting for his comeback story and Steph and hoping that he can maybe win a title without any quote unquote big help and all that happened and you know Clay yeah. got his comeback story Steph got his title no KD it just felt like this team was more likable of course there's Draymond who is just Draymond but it, it just <laughs> felt like this team was more likable Gary Payton um junior was there and to in the second part of me and then you had just guys who worked their ass off and the Andrew Wiggins story was incredible. It was just a, a good, mm-hmm. a fun
1: team to root for. I think, uh, you know, you, you hit on something about Draymond, although he's probably one of the what five most unlikable players, just from a, a objective standpoint. Like yeah. I, I, love the guy, but I mean, I, I you know, 90% of the NBA fans don't, yeah. um, even though that's the case, I think, a, a team in a city like boston although they were chanting f draymond constantly i mean i think i've heard that probably for 40 total minutes in the whole series which was just wild mm-hmm. um although they were just you know just ragging on the guy i think it come from a place of i wouldn't say love but like a but respect and appreciation like there, there's no vitriol there's it's not like you know um the stuff that you you saw from You know, Cleveland fans when LeBron went back there, or you know, something like that, where there's where there's like a personal hate. I think this was just like a a competitive spirit against Draymond, and I think that's what most of the fan bases uh, feel against them. I think Clippers fans also would share that sentiment against Draymond and other players. And just as the Warriors, for the Warriors as a whole, I was telling someone earlier today, I think this is the first title Golden State has won out of their four that it felt like they won this championship with, with intelligence and experience. I feel like the other championships were either a little bit, you know, I, I would say the talent disparity, the talent discrepancy and, and just overpowering other teams with KD. And then obviously in 2015, you catch a few lucky breaks. You, you beat a wounded Cavaliers team, but it still counts all the same. I think this title was like the purest. It was like, they beat them with their IQ. It wasn't an overwhelming talent gap until Steph Curry made it that.
0: Yeah, and it'll certainly be a team that the Clippers have to face next year because they obviously have some decisions to make on a couple of players and Otto Porter, Kevon Looney, Gary Payton, but they still have their core coming back. And so it'll be a team the Clippers have to face. And right now, if you look at the odds, you look at different places, the Clippers have the second or third best odds. To win the NBA title. So let's talk.
1: It, it should be should be first.
0: Yeah, hey, l- and let's talk about those Los Angeles Clippers because you have been vocal on Twitter. Um, and I joked, of course, about the Sun stuff and the Steph stuff. And you, <laughs> you've been vocal that the Clippers are going to be the champ next year. And before we get to any of the player, individual player stuff, I want to talk about that because as someone that's been a fan for a long time, to be one of the prohibitive favorites feels like a very odd spot to be in yeah and I don't love it I also do love it
1: I mean I think it's did all, you did, I, did you love it in 2019
0: I, I like when the clippers are supposed to be good obviously and it, it makes yeah. the games more enjoyable and more fun to watch and the only thing is is that when the expectations are that high every game if you lose it's depressing I mean because you you yeah. think you're supposed to win every game. But here's where I kind of want to push back a little bit, because I'm curious to get your take on it. We still haven't seen this team stay healthy, Shane. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, obviously, on paper, this is a team that should win um, the Western Conference next year. But PG has had trouble with injuries. Kawhi Leonard has not been able to stay healthy. Norm Powell got hurt this past year. This is a team that has struggled to stay healthy so how can you, how is it possible to choose the clippers? They don't I feel like they haven't earned that right to be picked as the team to win the title when they haven't stayed healthy. What are your thoughts?
1: It, it's a fantastic point, and that's the number one response that everyone will reply to on Twitter. Like, why are you banking on health when you've never been able to get that as a result? Like why are you banking on that happening? Um, I think for me, it just comes down to, it has to happen at some point like like it, it's bound to be this time like I'm just going to go out on a limb and say you're four. and that's another thing someone was telling me earlier or, or the other night when I was playing basketball like one of my buddies was like you know what year of the Kawhi PG partnership is coming up and I had to think to myself like Jesus Christ this is going to be year four. And, and, you know, in terms of under contract, although Kawhi didn't play a single minute last season, mm-hmm. this is going to be year four of it. And I think it, it's just time, Brandon. It's just time that they figure out a way. And really, it's not even figuring out it. It's It's getting freaking lucky. It's, it's time they get some luck and, and have everyone on the court when it matters the most. And I hate to break it to a lot of fans. Like, that is going to mean that Kawhi and PG do not play 72, 82 games. Like, it's just not going to happen. Um, I think they'll, I won't say coast through the regular season, but I think they have built up enough enough depth, which we'll talk about whether they should sacrifice that in a minute, but um, I think they've built up enough depth where they don't have to overextend. I felt like, to me, although the in 2019-20, you know, the first year of the Kawhi and PG partnership, um, a lot of the talk was about their their great depth, you know, with Lou and, and, and Montrez leading that bench unit. Um, I, I felt like the depth was a little bit overrated, just a tad bit, maybe 10 to 15% overrated. Um, I didn't think they had the depth that you could rely on when, when choir PG missed. I, I think now they have proven they can still win basketball games. And you could even point to the Western conference being weaker this past year, which is true. So it won't necessarily mean they can win the same games that they did with Reggie, Luke Kennard, and and, and all these guys leading the charge, which I, I don't think that'll be the same again. But I'm also not banking on PG uh, missing, what, 60 or 50 games this year, 60 games, whatever he missed, um, with various injuries. And I think Kawhi is just going to be taking it very easy during the season. I, I, I don't expect them to get the top seed. I think that's what gets lost in all that. It's not that I'm on there saying that they're going to go – 63 and and 19 and and cruise and 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 get the one seed and blast everyone in the playoffs i think it's just going to be a a slow and steady pace and more so like that first year under tyloo which was two seasons ago now where they got the four seed and made the western conference finals that way when when they had pg healthy during the entire playoff run uh and Kawhi obviously got his ACL tear towards the end of that second round. So um, I I expect a a top four home court seed for the Clippers, and they're going to ride their depth during the games that Kawhi has to sit out. And out of 82 games, Brandon, I I would expect Kawhi to play 55. I I just think it's going to be like resting here and there, um, not even on back-to-backs. I think it would just be on back-to-backs plus other Uh, long road stretches. So uh, I guess the long winded way of saying that is their depth is going to help them. And that's why we'll get into it. I don't want them to gut that depth.
0: Interesting. Um, To give the precise number, PG played 31 games last year and the year before that was 54. Obviously that was the COVID shortened season and then 48 the year before that. So injuries have certainly uh, played a role in uh, the Clippers success because Paul George hasn't been able to stay healthy. Of course, Kawhi Leonard has not been able to stay healthy either. And uh, it's interesting the way you come about that in terms of this is finally their year to get lucky. I I don't know how much luck has followed this franchise over the years. So (laughs) I I hope you're right. Uh,
1: You know, so I I forgot to add one thing about that. What you, you actually brought up a good point about why now. And I think, um, something else I was going to talk was going to kind of mention there is you remember LeBron's first year in LA, how he had that groin injury and missed the final 20 or 30 games. And then he had a long off season, yeah. like for the first time in his career, he was off from April to October or September, however you want to frame it. Yeah, He came back and was just a man on a mission, had one of his best seasons and they won the championship and he was healthy the entire year LeBron in 2020. Um, I kind of just feel like that's Kawhi and PG coming up. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Find some wood and knock on it, if you will. But um, the long offseason for the first time since 2019 for these guys, I I, I think it's going to help them.
0: It's a good point because if you look at the Lakers title a couple of years ago, I'm not sure they win it if LeBron didn't have that rest uh, before the bubble. And the fact that yeah. he got that rest was huge. He was able to play big minutes. He was obviously well-rested and ready to go and carry that team to an NBA title. So that, that is certainly the hope that in terms of the miles on the legs of Kawhi and PG. They're not quite there compared to the miles that have been on other guys that are in the postseason year after year and have stayed healthy. You just got to hope that no fluke injuries happen. I mean, because there certainly have been fluke injuries that have happened. I mean, you look at Joe Ingles doesn't bump into Kawhi Leonard who knows what happens a couple of years ago in the postseason you know it's very possible the Clippers go on to beat the Suns and then go to the finals and beat the Bucks I mean it's entirely possible that would have happened so we'll see how it goes but I hope that you are correct and that luck plays on uh, is on their side but I just don't feel like they have earned the right to be called the favorite I think the favorite right now would be Golden State or Milwaukee Mm -hmm. Or Boston, a team that has proven it and shown that they've been there. Um, everyone, you you, you listen to national <laughs> talk radio, and even a guy like Dan Patrick, who I respect a ton, and he's like, "Yeah, we know the Clippers. Yeah, but they're they're there, but you know what? If they won, it's like he's right. He's right. I mean, it's a very reminiscent of Lob City Clippers. You know what I'm talking about, Shane? Where everybody was anointing the Clippers in Lob City yeah. before they even won anything, and this team. The thing is, they have won something now. They've gone to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in history. So they've shown that it's possible, and they did that without Kawhi Leonard. So you just need them to stay healthy, and then I think people will be like, "Oh, okay." So now that they're healthy, they actually have a legit chance to win.
1: Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it comes, a lot of the confidence and the, uh, the just the, yeah, I guess, the brashness that that comes across on Twitter whenever we say something like that about the Clippers being favorites. I mean, it comes down to how great they looked this past season when, when neither star was on the floor. Like, yeah. I used great loosely. It wasn't a great team. They were, you know. No, they were a five hundred team. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. context yeah. included. Yes, They should not have been what they were. They should not have had those comebacks that you and I talked about on podcast yeah. coming down back from down 35 in Washington. You know, like stuff like that just should not have happened. And I think it resonated with a lot of teams and front offices. In the league, I think coaches now and 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 other teams now, I think they, I'm not gonna say fear, but like they're they're not taking the Clippers lightly now. It's like you know, and that that's without Kawhi and Paul on the floor, um, what they were able to do. It, it's a huge credit to Ty Lue. It's a huge credit to their front office for putting together probably like the the best constructed team that I can remember w- without having the overpowering of like a, a Steph KD. Clay and Draymond core, like, you know, you don't have that big four, those four hall of famers, but you have a team that is just extremely well equipped in every position. And, uh, you know, they are, I, I guess my number one fear, Brandon, is that a lot of like the, the main contributors have a lot of miles on them and they have a lot of responsibility. It's not like, you know, um, Nick Batum, you know, who, who's getting up there and in, in, in age and miles it, you know it, assuming Nick comes back, which I think... Let's just talk about Batum. that now. Let, you brought him up. Yeah. Let's talk
0: about it now. He had a player option, $3.3 3 opted out. Nick Batum is 33 years old. He came out after the season saying that Ty Lu basically saved his life and that it, he'll stay with the Clippers as long as they'll have him. So it, it really seems like a foregone conclusion that he's opting out for financial reasons. And frankly, I don't blame him. I mean, he was integral to what the Clippers did last yeah. year. And it feels like it's it's certainly going to be an eight to $10 million contract coming his way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see something like three years and $29 million, three years, $30 million. Um, what are your thoughts in terms of what a contract would look like for Batum? Because he is 33 years old, um, and he's a guy that wasn't making very much last year. He certainly was with the Clippers on a prove-it type deal, and he did prove it.
1: Yeah, and and to be clear you're talking about eight to ten mil, million annually right yes I think uh yeah I think yeah, so three years right 30. around yeah right around um mid-level exception uh I, I think that's what he's worth and I think that's what he should be getting um and really the, the, the defensive efforts are worth more than that I mean the defensive efforts alone are worth 15 but you know you, a team that uh has this many high salaries I don't think that they would uh want to do that but I think uh, I think with With Batum, that that's kind of what I was saying. It's like, it's not that he's just a contributor where you can say, "Oh, anything we get from Batum is gravy." No, like he he's their best defender. He's their best communicator on the end of the floor. He is their Draymond Green, if you will. It it, it's kind of remarkable, and I do fear that, you know, he's had two really good seasons or really great um, injury free seasons for the most part you know dealt with a a few nagging things here and there but um I I just I hope that the luck doesn't run out on that end because on in the same breath that we're talking about the luck swinging their way with Kawhi and Paul it could swing the other way with Batum and Reggie Mm -hmm. and Reggie's had a lot of of like playoff series under his belt he's had a lot of regular season miles and and for someone that He's their best uh, north to south creator in, in some instances, which is not great, um, which we'll talk about too. Considering they could trade for another north to south guy, um, I, I, I think I think Reggie and Nick Batum's health is extremely important. So I, I love Nick Batum getting eight to ten million to come back to the team if that's the case. Let I guess let's kind of uh, hope that that is. But um, that's the biggest concern, if you will, about like. Can they stay healthy? It's, it's the role players for me.
0: Yeah, Batum 33, Reggie Jackson 32 years old. So I think we agree that it really is a foregone conclusion that Batum will come back to the Clippers. It would be certainly stunning to see how much he and his wife embrace Clippers Nation and talked about how much they love Clipper Nation and that they will be here as long as Ty Lu will have them and then to leave for more money. It just doesn't make sense. It feels like something along the lines
1: of three years, 30 million would do the trick yeah and and I I think I think he's earned it uh, he's definitely not been hurting because he's been getting paid by Charlotte so yeah. uh, I, I think for him it, it's just gravy for um, to, to come to a team get a relationship with Ty like he has and and be here long term
0: all right let's talk about it you have teased it multiple times you have been basically the, uh, <laughs> too many times the co-podcast <laughs> host here and, and teasing what's coming up here um, Kyrie Irving It was brought out in the media yesterday. It was a very slow news day and just something that came out through Shams. It wasn't through Woj. And it it really feels like a, hey, my client's not getting the respect he needs. I'm going to feed you this so you can get people talking to see what will happen. And maybe Kyrie will get the respect he deserves. To me, it feels like Kyrie is not going anywhere It just would seem very odd to put together a trio of Kyrie, Harden, KD, then lose Harden, get Ben Simmons, and then to lose Kyrie also. It just doesn't seem like it makes sense, and I think it would piss off Kevin Durant. So let's start there before we go into any speculation of who the Clippers could trade for him. Do you think he actually moves, or do you think this is just something that was floated out to get people talking?
1: Uh, I'm kind of torn. Um, you know, on one hand, I'm with you. It, it would make absolutely zero sense for Brooklyn to do anything yes. without without trying to fix the situation, without trying to to get the get everyone that needs to be in a room in a room and talk things out. I, I don't really understand why this is happening. I guess it's contract negotiations, and and you know the the front office rightfully saying like. <laughs> why why do we want to commit to you long term when you can't be on the floor long term you know um and you yeah. haven't shown a desire to love the game enough i guess you could say to to play during the regular seasons and and get us in solid position um I, I, you know but but then again i don't think something this um i'm not going to say severe i don't think something like this uh blatant would come out if there it wasn't a serious topic or if it wasn't a serious conversation i don't think you know you don't get the wording that we got um which i can't remember exactly what sean said but i don't think you get that type of wording if it's not something that could realistically happen so i'm kind of 50 50 on it brandon um if you you know force me to choose i think he stays in brooklyn until maybe the deadline and he and he plays there but All it's going to take, as we've seen, as we've seen many times with that team, that organization, since Katie and and Kyrie got there, all it's going to take is like one or two weeks of just just sour uh, news to come out of that team to break it. And, And I feel like they don't have enough to sustain something like that. So I think he'll be there, but until something else goes sideways, then I think he'll go elsewhere.
0: Yeah, it's certainly a confusing situation because he's got all the talent in the world, but he is just a nightmare to have off the court and all the baggage that he brings. And I understand what you're saying in terms of the wording, but it it just feels like it's something that could have easily been fed um, floated out there to try and get a little more respect on his side, to get the Nets to try and pay him. But it just doesn't feel like the Nets would get proper players in
1: return i mean because which look, is wild for a 20 or for a 30 year old that has probably 10 more years left in them like if you wanted to you know it's wild that they wouldn't get that much in return
0: if you don't have the name there and you look at a guy that's that averaged 27 and half points per game last year four and a half rebounds and close to six assists per game along with a combined two steals and blocks and he shot 47 percent from the field's and he shot 42% from three and 91 yeah. and from the percent free throw line. You would say, oh yeah, that, that's certainly going to require a lot to get something to get a lot of return to get a player like that. But then you look and this brings to the second part of our conversation. What would it take on the Clippers end? Because there have been teams that have floated out and those teams have been, of course, the Lakers and the Knicks and the Clippers as a possible destination as well. And this certainly seems, Shane, and this can kind of bunch into our conversation about will the, will the Clippers make a move in general? That the Clippers have contracts that are very friendly in terms of being traded. There are good numbers around 16 million, a canard deal that was, um, I believe, five years 80 when he signed it. And then, um, am I correct on that? I think it's five years 80. Um, and then you look and you see a guy like Marcus Morris that signed it. It was four years, 64 for Kennard. Um, and you look mm-hmm. at Marcus Morris and the contract that he signed with the Los Angeles Clippers, which is four years, $64 million. And these contracts, a couple of players together would add up to a guy like Kyrie Irving. Here's where I am. I think that if you have the opportunity to trade away Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard for Kyrie Irving, you do it 100 times out of 100. And the reason why is really simple, actually. I understand what he brings off the court, and I understand it's a Mm -hmm. nightmare. There's two main reasons. Number one, Kawhi and PG have struggled to stay healthy. So it gives you a third guy that has also battled some injuries throughout his career, but it gives you a third star just in case one of those guys is hurt. And like you said, a guy like Kawhi is going to need to take games off. So it gives you three guys where you only need to play basically two at a time and you could rest the other and space them out yeah. and get them to the postseason. Number two, and this is really the most obvious for me is that you and I have talked about Luke Kennard and what he brings to the team during the regular season. But then you go to the postseason, all of a sudden you shrink that rotation down to seven or eight guys total that are going to be on the basketball court. And there are a couple of times where Luke Kennard did not find himself on the court. And Mm -hmm. if you're going to have a guy that you're paying $64 million over four years and you're not going to play him in the playoffs, to me, that contract doesn't make sense. And it makes sense to get a guy that would be immediately as part of your top five. That's my number one reason, Shane.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think you know what you said you know after all the after the soliloquy i said about not gutting the depth and and you know whatever the case is in terms of we had to get rid of i think if if your package of marcus and luke is all you do then yeah you do it you know i i'm more so coming from the standpoint of do not get rid of Norman Powell, or i don't want to get rid of evita Zubots, your best screener your best uh, your your best rim protecting threat like i think it Once you get into those pieces, that's where I'm I'm jumping off. But I I think you know what you mentioned with Luke Kennard, he's not going to play. He's not going to be trusted in a lot of scenarios if you have a loaded team and loaded depth, and that's absolutely true. I think Kyrie with Norman Powell, like on the court, is just as good as you know having Luke Kennard out there. I think I think Kennard and Powell would be redundant. So get rid of one which would be canard obviously because powell's better uh, all around uh might not be that lethal of a shooter but he can defend so i think you know if it's marcus who is getting up there in age looks slow sometimes and isn't getting faster like it's not magically going to get better then yeah you get rid of marcus and luke but but that's it i think that's like the package that i would do i really wouldn't overstep that um once you start you know i feel like zubats has been in 28 different trades in the last two years. Um, just hypothetical trades. I think once you start getting rid of like you know your your best screen setting bigs that are able to get Kawhi PG or in theory Kyrie Irving into the paint at will, that's when your team is uh, not as good as it once as it was. Um, and you know I, I'm curious about your take on this. If you do, I, I like your your point about putting the third star in there just in case we have seen Kyrie thrive as like the third. I'm not, I hate the word third option or second option. I hate that because that's not how basketball works in terms of options. It's like what is open on a given play. But as like the third usage star, um, they can attack off the weak side. We saw that with Harden and KD in that first year when they should have won the championship. If everyone was healthy, yeah. they they should have won it. Um, I think that that would be a similar scenario maybe even a better scenario with Kawhi and Paul who are two insanely good defenders at the wing spot. Um, So I think Kyrie would thrive there as the third star, but also you have to have your shooting around it. You can't gut the shooting.
0: Right. And that makes sense. I mean, but if you look at the guys that would be on the floor, you'd assume Norm Powell, Kyrie Irving, PG and Kawhi. I mean, those four would be on the floor. One hundred percent. And then you have fifth with
1: game. a Batum okay. Marcus or with the Batum or Zubat, I should exactly. say, Batum or Zubat,
0: yeah. most likely a Batum, Zoo, or Robert Covington um, could yeah. be in that mix as well. And so, I mean, those guys can shoot. You have Paul George that can shoot. You have Covington that should shoot. You have Powell that can, can that can shoot. Um, I mean, you have Batum that can shoot. So they certainly have guys on the floor that can shoot. And you and I have discussed a, a zoo before. I, I don't think zoo is a guy you can trade. Um, I understand what Hartenstein gave to, you, to the team uh, last year, and it certainly seems like he may come back this year. And if he does, um, it's not going to have to. It's not going to be a ton of money. I mean, there people are talking about, hey, he probably is going to make too much, won't come back to the Clippers. I think it's a little bit of an overreaction. I think that's more of Clippers Twitter and people that are watching Hartenstein. And sure, he was good in stretches, but I'm not sure he can be that starting caliber center that can go and. Reinforce your defense like Zoo did. I mean, there were times last year where Zoo—the reason why they won games was because of Zoo defensively and and what he brought to that team. So I I don't think you trade Zoo. Um, But yeah, I mean, you talk about a third star, and yeah, I think that's exactly why you've. I brought up the reason in terms of health, and I brought up all—I mean, you brought up in terms of how it works out basketball-wise. It just makes a lot of sense. Now the thing is, I don't think Brooklyn would do it. It makes no sense. Marcus Morris yeah. and Kennard are not going to give them a better chance to win a title with Kevin Durant than Kyrie Irving. It just doesn't make sense to me. I mean,
1: the Clippers would yeah. do it, but I don't think Brooklyn does. Absolutely. And that and that's why it's it's a non-deal. Like because what we're talking about Marcus and Luke Kennard, that the, the combined salaries to make up that deal, yeah. That 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 marginally helps Brooklyn in a few areas in a couple areas, but that's only a deal you do if it's like absolute emergency like like Kyrie hates everybody everybody hates Kyrie let's get this guy out of here he's a nuisance like that's not something you do until it's like you know 259 on the deadline right um and you have nothing else so that's why I think nothing happens because the deal that the Clippers are willing to give Brooklyn is laughing at it because Kyrie Irving is one of the 10 most gifted offensive players of all time like that that's why you don't get rid of of him for that type of package. And plus, like let, let's be honest. We have seen we have seen 0 minutes, absolutely 0 minutes of Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving together. Yeah. Let's just give let's give it some time. Let let let's see how they look by Christmas. Yeah,
0: and of course there's the issue of Kyrie and salary. I mean, he he wants to get paid. And so He's, he's a, that, that, he's
1: coming up on, this will be his uh, last year on a contract. Yeah. Right?
0: So he wants to get paid, which is the reason why this is being brought up. And I just don't think it'll work. And for people that I'll be like, oh, Hey, why don't you throw in Brandon Boston? It's like, yeah, but that <laughs> that's not what the Nets want right now. They're not rebuilding. They're trying to win a title right now. They have Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the NBA. They're not looking yeah. to rebuild. They don't need a guy like Brandon Boston jr. That's a project. They need someone that's going to help them win now. And so are Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard going to help them win now? I mean, Kennard could possibly replace a guy like Joe Harris, um, who, who knows if he'll still be there next year in terms of injuries. And I don't know what his deal is with the contract, but I think I heard something that maybe he may stay, he may not stay. He could be involved in a trade. And so it's just Marcus Morris is not going to suddenly replace Kyrie Irving and make a ton of sense there for Brooklyn. And, so.
1: and I'm just laughing so hard at anyone that believes Brooklyn is even – is even entertaining the idea of trading Russ for, you know, or, or getting Russ back in a deal. From yeah, the, like, that's not like, happening.
0: No. and, and it, Oh, my God. They would wait until the deadline to trade Kyrie. I think they would want to give this at least a couple of months. And then if the contract situation is awful, they know they're not going to resign him. Then you possibly consider it and you see what you can get. But I don't think this is a move that's made during the summer. Um, but one move that could be made during the summer is John Wall. Uh, because he's not a part of Houston's future. I mean, that is a certainty. And so he's going to pick up his final year of his contract. And I believe it's his final year. And then yeah, he, he just
1: picked it up. Yeah. yeah.
0: And so he's going to be dealt because they have no need for him. And it's a young team. So the question is. Does John Wall make sense? Because I didn't mention this with Kyrie, but everybody talks about how the Clippers need a point guard. And I understand the thought process of they don't because they've got Paul George and Kawhi to initiate the offense. But there are times where I think you need someone that can initiate the offense and let Kawhi and PG play off the ball and try and get you something when you need a quick hoop, attack the hoop and try and get it like Reggie Jackson would do from time to time. So John Wall can do that. He certainly can. And, The thing is, he doesn't shoot very well, Shane. So does John Wall make any sense to you as an addition to the Los Angeles Clippers?
1: You know, I think last year before the Norm trade and before Covington, the Norm and Covington trade, I would have said, you know, give it a shot if if he's available. If you can get him for obviously the minimum when he gets bought out or whatever the case is, Um, then, yeah, like there's zero risk. Like there's less than zero risk because you can just tell him to go on his way if it doesn't work out or if you know it becomes a problem in the locker room or with minutes and, and all that. But I think the last part there, the minutes, is something that you and I have talked about, I believe, on the podcast where we were praising Amir Coffey and, and trying to get him more minutes in the rotation, which was just a challenge. It's like, yeah. how do you do that while also bringing in a guy that's you know, a veteran, 30-plus years old? What is John Wall, 34, something like that? I mean, it's like... He's been in the league for a long time. Thirty-one, yeah. going to be thirty-two in September. Um, His
0: body's probably uh, the 34, 35 year old.
1: Exactly. Uh, just like Boogie Cousins, they went to college yeah. together. They've had the same type of injury history, so it's kind of crazy. Um, I, for me, you know, I, and I hate to be the one. Like, I'm not. I don't take pride in being the one that's like, this Clipper raw. This Clippers roster is perfect as it is. Do not make any more changes. Like no point guard is needed. You're crazy if you think so. Like, I I don't think a point guard is needed when it when it comes at the expense of other minutes. So, you know, if, if something happens with Reggie or if, um, you know, Kawhi and Paul are showing a clear, um, I guess, regression in terms of getting downhill, then, yeah, you, you should probably try something out like that. But I don't like the idea of just bringing Wall in before you even get a chance to see how it goes. Like, that that's something that, again, with the Kyrie issue, like, it's something that happens later if you realize that's an, a clear need. And we haven't talked about him at all, I don't think, but, like, Lawrence Frank is rightfully looking for Jason Preston to make an, an impression. Now, it's kind of crazy to suggest that Jason Preston, who hasn't played a minute of NBA basketball, is going to be an integral part of a of a – championship roster but like if you're looking for downhill juice that's young like that that's probably your answer um first just to look at first before you bring in a veteran like wall so here's my take on
0: this and i I think that the issue is going to be twofold number one it's the contract he make he's making 47.4 million dollars this year we talked about. Oh,
1: I thought I, I was just concerned he'd get bought out. Yeah, but, or know. something.
0: I mean, but, it's possible he gets bought out, but if they try and trade him, then it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to put three guys probably in that deal to make it work. So I don't think if you're if it's via trade, I don't think
1: it's going to happen. Oh, um, absolutely. I, I I hang up the phone immediately for yeah. me if it's a trade. Yeah,
0: as a buyout candidate, I, I I'll listen, but that brings me to number two in terms of why I probably won't sign him. He can't shoot. I mean, it's as simple as that. And we saw with Rondo what it meant to have a guy on the perimeter that can't shoot. And in 2020, 2021, he shot Mm -hmm. 31.7 from three. A couple of years before that, 30.2. A couple of years before that, 32.7. He is a career 32.3% three-point shooter. And with the spacing that this team prides itself on, I think yeah. Wall it will actively hurt your offense at times with his inability to shoot. So that's why I think that wall is a guy that makes
1: very little sense with this team. And Brandon, as we know from watching basketball, watching these Clippers play, it's not the shooting percentages. It's how they're treated on the perimeter. Yeah. And, and I tell you what, man, like it, you've seen the way people treat Russell Westbrook on the three point line. Like yeah. it's not going to be much different if John Wall's out there trying to space for Kawhi picking rolls, trying to space for Paul George get into the lane. Like, you know, it, that, that defender will be will be five steps into the paint. Um, so, you know, I, I fully agree. And, you know, I, I just think that we should give this Clippers unit a chance because I you know for all the talk about no downhill ability no point guard ability maybe I'm on maybe I'm alone on this island but I I think Norm Powell can give you spurts of that like it's not he's not a point guard he's never going to be a point guard but but kind of the reason they got him was because a he's a top or a second tier shooter probably in the NBA and he can create off the dribble. So if you're looking for creation problems to be fixed, like like I, I think this team right here is going to be the best Clippers team that we've seen in the Kawhi PG era when it comes to creation.
0: Yeah, I think people underrate Norm Powell and, and what he brings. I mean, we saw early on with him, with the Clippers, how good he can be. And I mean, there was a game where you think he hit his first five or six shots and everyone's like, all right, yeah, this guy's for real. And we knew that. <laughs> There's one guy that is now being talked about on Twitter a lot today that I would trade for. And I, I mean, Ooh. we've talked about uh, about the Clippers and the guys they have now. And apparently Indiana is looking to deal Malcolm Brogdon. So that yeah. is a guy that I would listen to. And you talk about injuries. That is another guy that you are absolutely throwing into the fire as another <laughs> injury candidate because Malcolm Brogdon is a guy that simply cannot stay on the floor. So that is absolutely a problem. And I'll tell you how many games he has played each season, and you're not going to be happy. I mean, last season, he played 36 games. Um, The year before that was a COVID-shortened season, 56 the year before that, 54. 64 the year before that, 48 the year before that. He simply cannot stay healthy. However, if he does stay healthy and is a guy that, comes to the Clippers in a trade for, let's say, once again, Luke Kennard and maybe Marcus Morris, those two guys together. Uh, It's certainly something that I would consider because he can shoot, my friend. He can absolutely shoot. And you look at what he's done from three and he has had seasons. I mean, you look at in 1819, he was at 15 and a half points per game um, and he was on 50.5 percent from the field he was at 42.6 from three and 92.8% from the free throw line. So he is a guy that shoots the ball rather well. And last year he shot 45% from the fields from three. He shot 31.2, which is lower than he's had an entire career. So that is a guy that I would take a flyer on if it meant getting rid of Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard. Cause once again, Luke Kennard is not a guy that you would play in the postseason Most likely and I believe that Brogdon is an upgrade over Marcus Morris, so that is the only guy that yeah. I think I
1: would consider right now. And you know, I think on the opposite end of the spectrum as some of the other guys we've talked about, Malcolm Brogdon just seems to get it. Like he he yeah. he's probably, you know, I've covered the Pacers for a little bit, like <clears throat> in certain some games up in Indiana, and in some practices, like he is like just this personality that no one really dislikes. Like he is he he's just very veteran savvy like he, he just understands it and i think um th- you know from that perspective i would love his leadership with that team with the clippers team um they call him the president for a reason i think when it comes on the court obviously he can get into the he can get into the paint at will like i've never seen somebody this is a little bit of high, uh, hyperbole but you know he he's gonna be 30 next year but i've never seen someone like you know with that body type that Age that can still somehow break down the defense, and it's like he's not the fastest. He's ne- he's never going to be the fastest, but he gets into the paint and can create from there and dish out the shooters. And obviously, that's Tyloo's mo. Um, the issue is though, like health, and <clears throat> you point into the games played, and I'll even go a step further. Like he has never played. I just looked, and I, I can't believe this because I thought that he was on the Bucks teams that made deep runs, but I realized that he they got rid of him before that. Um, he's never played more than seven playoff games and, wow. and one single run more than seven. So the idea that he can, that he's going to be able to withstand a championship run is kind of ludicrous. <laughs> like we have, we have literally never seen it happen with, with and Brogdon. Not, not only can he not stay on the floor in the regular season, but when the games are super competitive, like, where the injuries happen the most, which is in the playoffs. We saw a lot of injuries in the first couple rounds this year, right? Like, I don't trust that he'll be available. So, you know, I I would probably stay away unless it was something really cheap. You know, as we've mentioned, the package that is the most famous here. um, I I don't like this, though, from a perspective of getting rid of a lot to get a point guard because he has not been on the floor. And it's even worse than Kyrie's situation because Kyrie, you can kind of look at this past year and say – a little bit of a fluke because, he, you know, he's not going to be uh, unable to play for those vaccination reasons, I guess you could say. Um, so now it's like I, I don't think that Kyrie I think Kyrie is, is probably due for some uh, positive regression in that end and that in some luck, if you will. But Brogdon, this seems like a, a an issue he's going to be dealing with for the rest of his career.
0: Yes, yeah, he struggled to stay on the court, so it's it's certainly an injury risk. I mean, it's certainly a very big risk you be taking to get a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, but he's a very good basketball player, and it seems like that is something that maybe the Clippers front office would risk. But I'm not entirely sure. Now let's close out with the draft. The NBA draft is two days away, and the Clippers hold a pick in the second round. It is the middle of the second round. If you look at the Clippers depth chart right now, at point guard Reggie Jackson. Jason Preston, Terrence Mann, if you want to put him there. Paul George, shooting guard, Norman Powell, Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann. Then you have Kawhi, Marcus Morris. Kennard, Mann again, small forward, power forward, Covington, Marcus Morris, uh, Coffee, And then you've got Zoo, Hartenstein, Covington again at the center spot. So there really isn't anything the Clippers need right now. It feels to me, and this is going to be – I feel like it could be crazy – this is a draft and stash to me. This is a guy that you draft abroad. This is a guy that you are going to send to the G League and put on a two way. Because I don't think that you're going to have a guy that you're drafting this year that's going to be a contributor to this championship team. And it's interesting because you look at the Warriors and they just drafted a guy um, that helped them in the postseason. So you wonder, do the Clippers need somebody and? Mm-hmm. I think there's a chance if they get rid of a guy, if they get rid of a couple of guys in Norman Powell or part of me in Marcus Morris and Luke Kennard. I mean, even Norman Powell, if he's in a deal, which is unlikely to me. Terrence Mann could be in a deal. It feels like this is a draft and stash to me. What does it feel like to you? Any position that you would attack? I mean, maybe a backup point guard, but like you mentioned, Jason Preston's a guy that they want to give a chance to. I think outside a point guard, maybe a backup big, but a, I don't see anything else.
1: I was actually going to go with the big <clears throat> because, you know, we've been talking about point guards for 30 minutes. I, I feel like, I feel like a big, uh, that you could kind of develop. Now we've seen that story so many times before, haven't we though? Like we've seen that story where yeah. they look think fee. they have a big, look at fee and, and yeah. fee, he
0: did nothing with the Clippers. Uh,
1: yeah. So it's like, you know, I, I, as you can tell, I'm of the mindset that just because something hasn't worked out in the past doesn't mean it's not going to work out next year. So Again, coming back to the same theme of like, you know, just keep trying uh, and maybe you'll get lucky. So, maybe, you know, I think maybe trying to develop another big, whether it's a traditional or small ball, would probably be the move. But as you said, draft and stash, it's not something that you're looking for now. I mean, hell, dude, we're we're even talking about Brandon Boston who can't get – he's not going to get on the floor, right? And And the amount of times we saw really great flashes from Brandon Boston – I, ironically, in that game against Boston, um, I don't know what he had that game, but it was it was nuts. He so went nuclear from three. It felt like I think like he is he's a priority uh, for them to to try to get better, to try to get more muscle mass, to try to get um, d- just a, just a stronger ability to to make reads out there and and, and better shot selection for Brandon Boston. So they're still kind of trying to nurture him, and and it's not like it's not that they don't need anything that they could, every team could use more talent. We know that, but it seems like they have so much talent right now that focusing on the future or focusing on a a prospect just seems like it's so far in the back burner for this team that, that their window is now like their windows, not in two years, their window is now.
0: Yeah. It just feels like that. Whoever you're going to draft is not going to make an impact. By the way, I was looking at a Clippers draft history And do you know who they drafted um, Uh for uh, who they drafted in 2018 with their first first round pick? They had two picks.
1: Was this the 2018? Was this the uh, God Jerome Robinson or was this the year? So Jerome
0: Robinson was number 13, number 12. Do you know who went number 12?
1: Oh, I have no idea.
0: Miles Bridges. The Clippers drafted Miles Bridges and traded him (laughs) for SGA.
1: Oh, wow. Well, you talk about
0: a trade right there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you end up getting a, you, you get know, Paul you George lead, out of it. Yeah, you get Paul George because you end up trading away SGA. But I
0: didn't realize that the Clippers ended up trading Miles Bridges. And you tra- said
1: something at the top of the show that that was hilarious to me, though. You said, "Uh, you know, you can you can kind of predict where they're gonna what what they're looking at, but just trying to predict who the Clippers are gonna pick is yeah. is a fool's errand because." they have not picked well like historically yes. with the you know with the front office so it's like even if you think this is who they should pick and this is who they will pick they're going to surprise you it's not going to be a positive surprise either
0: <laughs> it, it, so this obviously does not include trades and who they acquire via trade but if you go back to Blake Griffin in 2009 um, and we start with 2010 Farouk Aminu and Willie Warren were t- 2010 Trey Tompkins and Travis Leslie 2011 Furkan Aldemir in 2012. (laughs) Reggie Bullock, 2013. C.J. Wilcox, 2014. Bryce Johnson, who everyone thought was going to be his 3.3 and D guy. um, And Chuck Diallo in 2016. Miles Bridges and Jerome Robinson, 2018. And Bridges obviously became SGA. Terrence Mann and Jalen Hands were in 2019, 2020. Reggie Perry and Quentin Grimes in 2021. (laughs) Of course, you have guys that came in like Boston Brian Boston jr and uh, via trades and stuff. But the actual Clippers picks um, haven't been stellar since 2010.
1: Yeah. And that's why I like the idea of like, you know, y- y- it feels like they've tried bigs, they've tried wings and they have tried guards. Yeah. Um, Terrence Bann has stuck, you know, he, he's, he's stuck yeah. so far. So that's good. But it, it, I guess like for me, it, it's just trying to find the next zoo or try to find the next like the next big that you can either play or develop up and then trade. That's what also what this feels like to me is like, let's just try to draft somebody that we can make look good. And then, and then somebody wants them later on, you know?
0: Yep. And you know, if a guy like Mooney can play for the uh, Warriors, it's possible the Clippers can find somebody, but who knows? I mean, it just depends on the depth and injuries. And it, it, we end this podcast the way we started. I mean, the Clippers, if they can stay healthy, they certainly have a chance to win it all. But the question is, can They stay healthy at young NBA on Twitter, columnist, analyst for Forbes sports. He's a guy that should be writing all over the place. If you are someone that wants a writer, Shane Young is certainly your guy. Shane, always a blast having you on the pod.
1: Thanks for that, man. I greatly appreciate it. You have no idea. And uh, anytime, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be your guest on the return here after two months. So, uh, you know, hopefully we get some offseason content to talk about.
0: Yes, indeed. So two months off. We'll be back after the draft. I'm hoping to record at the weekend. If I don't record at the weekend, it'll be early next week. we will record a pod, chat about the draft and what happened then. Until next time, he's Shane. I am Brandon. You can follow me on Twitter at BDMarcus. You can follow Shane at youngmba. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Ethos Clippers. Rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Listen wherever you do. It's always much appreciated. Until next time, go Clips!
1: Get ahead of postage rate
2: increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel.